just want to pray. Uh, let's, let's just ask God to, to pray and open our hearts. Father, we thank you for this moment, for your presence. We thank you that you're here. And uh, God, we thank you, Lord, that we're here in sacred space, in a, in a place that is, uh, is made holy because of your presence, in a place that's made holy because where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them, God. And we know that you're here, Jesus. We know that you stand here right among us, Lord, and that you want to touch us. You want to do something new in our lives today. And we, we invite your presence today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There's two verses I want to share uh, right off the bat as we talk about vision. Uh, two scriptures that, that really deal with vision. First one is this, Habakkuk 2 verse 2. It says this, write down this vision and clearly inscribe it on tablets that a herald may run with it. I believe it's very important that when God, when the Lord gives a vision to a church, when the Lord gives a vision to you, that you don't only think about it, you don't only pray about it, you don't only talk about it, but you write it down. We have a big screen right there, so you can actually see it. <laughs> you may run with it. And I truly believe it's, it's important that, that we are clear about, about the vision. Another verse is this, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now that is Old English of the King James Version. But I, it's so clear that whenever there's no clear vision, people just, people perish, people run wild, as, as other translations say, like the Christian Standard Bible says that people run wild when there's no revelation, when there's no prophetic vision. They run wild, they go off in the wrong direction. You know, last year was, was a difficult year for, for, for my wife and I personally. Uh, it was a difficult year for, for many of us on the, on the team. And in the midst of a lot of changes, it was like the vision became unclear. And, and I want to apologize for that, that the vision last year wasn't absolutely clear to you. And it had a lot to do with that God was making some shifts in my heart personally and making some shifts in this church as a whole. And God has started downloading his vision uh, to me theologically, but also in terms of, you know, what the services look like. And I will talk about that today. And, uh, but I just want, want to ask you for forgiveness uh, for, for not being clear about this last year. Because I believe that, that, a, that clarity brings security. And, you know, he's in, unraveling this vision to, to us. And, and, and when he's doing a work in us, we need to find ways to actually verbalize this and, and help the church move further into the great things that God has for us. Let me also say to you that we're on a journey. You know, it's, it's easy um, to, to think, well, this is the vision of this church. This is the direction we're going. And then you get so stuck in, in, in your ways that when the Holy Spirit is trying to catch your attention, that you kind of get stuck, still are stuck with the way how you've been running things for the last 5, 10, 20, I don't know how many years. I mean, our church is 13 years old almost. But it's easy, even in a church that is as young as ours is, to get stuck in things that, that you think are God's direction for us today, but there's actually fresh vision that God wants to download in us and to us. That's where we are today. So let me, let me say to you right off the bat that because we're on a journey, I can't promise you that 
everything that God is going to do this year and the years following is absolutely clear. We're on a journey. The Israelites, they, were, they, went through, they had to go through the desert. And they were there for 40 years in the desert. And sometimes they had to take a left turn, a right turn, and so on. They had to go wherever the, the divine presence was, where the, where the pillar of the cloud or the, or the pillar of fire led them. And that's how I want to lead this church. That I want, that's how I want to see God lead this church. Because it's not my church, it's Jesus' church. He is the pastor of this church. And it means that we need to be okay about not knowing everything in detail. Because I believe that God wants to unravel more of that vision to me personally in these coming few months and years. But he also wants to unravel that to you. Reveal that to you as you onboard this journey with us. One thing that I um, sensed last last week in a conference is that um, one of the big parts of what God is doing now is just a clear sense of, of repentance. Repenting for some of the ways we got stuck in, some of the ways where God tried to get our attention and we kind of did our own thing. Repentance for not fully being loyal to, to Jesus. You know, with loyalty, with choosing allegiances, and this is really what God wants us to do as a, as a church. He wants us to be clear, super clear about that we follow Jesus and Jesus alone, that we don't get kind of like stuck in the middle somewhere, that there's no gray areas anymore. In the church, there's no 50 shades of gray. We follow Jesus and him alone. He is the pastor of this church. Question is, when you experience revival, when you, you know, revival is, is a spiritual awakening. As God does something in our, in our hearts, he, he kind of makes us awakened. He, we become awakened to the things of God. We become awakened for what he wants to do in our lives. But awakening is great, and revival is great, but sometimes it kind of ebbs away. I mean, the word for God, for the, for, from the Lord for this year, for Thousand Hills, is restoration. Because when we walk in restoration, when we walk in the things of God and, and see him kind of unravel the things that are already in his word and, and we go, go after those things, God is going to restore some things. And he wants to bring restoration to your life. He wants to bring restoration to your family. He wants to bring restoration to this church. He wants to bring restoration to this nation. And he's going to use you and me in that process. And yes, you can put your hands together for that. So restoration. There's a couple of parts of that message of restoration that I, that I think are super important for us as we go on board this journey. First one is this, that we need to go back to what the Bible, God's word, really teaches. This is one of the things I've, I've shared this before, is that, you know, um, that in many ways we, we are guilty of kind of making our own interpretation of what the Bible says and then relate that to church life. But Jesus is saying, hey, what if you just go back to Scripture? What if you just go back to what I actually said about the church, about the ecclesia, about my government here on earth? What if you go back to some ancient patterns, some ancient ways that the Bible, you know, is talking about for, from, from front to back? What if you just went back to those things 
what would happen? I truly believe he wants us to go back to his word. I believe he wants us to go back deep into the things of God, how he's already kind of laid up a heavenly pattern that we can follow here on earth. Second thing, when you talk about restoration, is, the re- is rediscovery of the king and his kingdom. You know, we, we saw the video. We heard um, Charlie, our worship leader, you know, share these words from the Our Father prayer. Prayer of Jesus. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. His name is different than any other name. His name is holy. Your kingdom come. Not my kingdom come or your kingdom come. His kingdom come. Your will be done. God's, God wants to see his will be done here on earth. Because there are people like you and me who are submitted to the reign of Jesus. And we're going to follow his lead. And we make sure that his will is done in our lives. And we inspire others to do the same because of the example that we're giving. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants to, there's nothing more that God wants to do in this, in this time before Jesus returns and the millennium will start. And that is that his heavenly kingdom will become visible here on earth. That, that heaven invades this sacred space that we You know, where we gathered two or three in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Jesus is standing right here among us. And every time when we gather as a church, we we have to realize that, hey, Jesus is actually here. He's here, standing here. If we would have spiritual eyes, we could see him stand right here. We could see angels all around. We could see that God really wants to pour out, you know, his, his spirit in this place, that he really wants to dwell here by his presence. This is a sacred space. That means that when we go to church that we're prepared. We show up on time. We make sure that we're prayed up, that we're ready to receive the great things that God has for us, for the heavenly download that, we want, that he wants to give to us when we gather in this place. Another place of restoration God wants to do is in our family. And if you've watched our Instagram, my Instagram, or my Facebook account, you, you see that we've been, we started something in our home that you may not, you may have never heard me speak about before because I didn't believe in it. And that is the rediscovery of the Sabbath. Now, I'm not trying to say that, that by next week we're going to meet on a Saturday here. Don't worry. We're Gentiles here, most of us at least. But the Sabbath is a principle. The Sabbath is not a Jewish thing. Most of us, we think, well, it's a Jewish thing. Well, we think that because there's so many rules attached to the Sabbath in the Old Testament and even outside of the Old Testament that we think it's a Jewish thing. But it's not a Jewish thing because the Sabbath already started in the first pages of the Bible before there were any Israelites, before there were any Jews. It's a universal principle. The problem is that in our world, We run like crazy. There's this 24-hour economy. We run from one thing to the next, and mental health care is profiting from it. Let me say it like that. There's, you know, we're living in a season when there's more people on on, on depression drugs and stuff like that than, than any other time in history. Why? Because we forgot the Sabbath. We forgot that God's principles are better than our own principles. And the Israelites, they had to go from, from Egypt, 
that to be taken out of Egypt, and they were, they were under forced labor. They were, they were, there was a slavery happening right there. Every day they had to work hard and make bricks. And every day, every day they had less uh, resources to actually make those bricks. And it became harder and harder and harder, week in, week out, day in, day out. And when they left Egypt, God said to them, I want you to start celebrating the Sabbath. I want you to know that everything that you have, it, it comes back from me. I want you to put me first in, in your family. I want you to not run like a crazy man, but have peace, have shalom in your home. You need to take this rest in order to be effective in life. We just can't keep going at the, at the rate we're going. Another thing that I believe the Lord is restoring in our church is is new wine in new wineskins. If you're here last weekend, you, you must have sen- sensed an overwhelming feeling of God's presence. You must have sensed his spirit at work in our lives in a way like we've never experienced before. I mean, people were filled with the spirit. People were, you know, um, the result of that is like prophesying and praying in tongues and all these other things. Healings were taking place. There's so many things were happening. There's a new wine that God wants to, wants to give to us as a church, but we need new wineskins. We need to be a new wineskin people. We can't just go, keep going back to our old religious ways. We gotta, we gotta be renewed. We gotta be filled with his spirit. When it happens, heaven is going to break loose in this place. Really will be. You know, this... Last weekend after, after conference, after services on Sunday, my wife and I, we, we had Pastor Brian over. And uh, it was like, it's like 12.30 at night and we're still not done. It's like, that doesn't happen often in our home. I can tell you that. That's a miracle by itself. <laughs> Prophesying, sharing words that the Lord is giving to us and he got this text message from Pastor Stolva, my pastor in, in Jacksonville. And he said, God just moved this church ahead one year at this conference weekend. Yeah, just put your hands together for that. It's amazing. After a year of, of plowing through fallow ground, God moved us ahead. And there's a new start, a fresh start that he wants to it's a gift to all of us, including me as a leader. So I want to talk to you about vision. I want to talk to you about mission. I want to talk to you about strategy for a few moments. Is it okay with you? So, so the first thing is the vision of the church. You know what? Us people are so good at coming, out, coming up with really crafty vision slogans. Ideas, brilliant ideas that, that we feel are derived from the throne of God. And nothing against those things, but what would it look like if we actually understood what Jesus' vision is for this church and lived according to it? What would it, take, what would it look like if we actually understood what Jesus' mission was for this church or is for this church and we lived our life according to that? And that's exactly what God has been revealing, what he has been downloading to us, you know. Why go with a human, crafty vision slogan when 
he actually, in his word, there actually is a, is a clear vision statement for, for the church. Jesus says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. I believe that that's the vision, that's the vision God has given to our church, that, that we seek him first above everything else. Because we know that God is a God who provides, but, but he wants us to be a, a people that would, would put everything else aside just to follow him. And we'll be willing to just, just you know, shelf it all and say, hey, no, God, we just want to follow you, Jesus. You're my number one. I want to I wanna seek you and your kingdom first above everything else. How oh, you are with me on that one? Yeah. Seek first the kingdom. Choose loyalty. No longer be loyal to, to this thing and Jesus, and, or that thing and Jesus. Be loyal to Jesus and Jesus alone. And all the other stuff, God was going to take care of that for you. I honestly believe that. Sounds simple, but it is that simple. Mission. I believe if a mission statement is not informed by the great commission that Jesus gave to us, and commission basically means mission done together. Com is, you know, a Latin word that we do it together. And Jesus said, came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He says a couple of really profound things here in this passage. Why is it profound? Because it's Jesus saying this, right? <laughs> Go therefore. Too long church has been about coming together in one place, but then going back to our jobs on Monday or to school on Monday or to our regular life on Monday and kind of forgetting about everything that happened on, on Sunday. Our Sundays are a training ground for what's going to happen on Monday through Saturday. Go therefore. We go into the world and make disciples. We, we share our story with other people. We pray with other people when, when they share a need with us. Instead of saying, hey, I'm sorry for you, say, hey, can I pray for you? It's not that hard, but it takes a step, and it sometimes feel uncom feels uncomfortable when we do that. It also means that we go out and we share, you know, the amazing things that God has done in our life and how other people can also receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The nations is basically, you know, the nations are gather, gathered on our doorstep these days. Pretty much all the nations of the world are, are present here in the Netherlands. So we can reach the nations on our doorstep. Not only that, God wants us to go out into the highways and byways, compel people to come in, compel people to become part of this great kingdom that he has, that, that we're a part of. He wants us to invite others to be a part of that as well. We baptize people. And today we're going to baptize, I believe, six people in this service. We already had three in the last service. And last weekend during conference, we had, I believe it was nine or ten people that got baptized as well. Let's put our hands together for the Lord for that. And you know, baptism is not just some kind of nice symbol. It's actually a, a declaration, a declaration of loyalty. A declaration of loyalty towards Jesus and, and a denouncing of all the other evil powers in the world. It's like, no, 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 
I don't want to have anything to do with those anymore. I'm going after Jesus and Jesus alone. No more 50 shades of gray. And today, six people are going to take that step to radically follow Jesus and him alone through baptism. How do we do this? How do we fulfill this mission and this vision that God has downloaded to us as a church? There's four words, and you know that they're on the, on the banners on the side, both languages. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For now, these things are not going to change because they're actually good, and they're, they build a great bridge between what was and what happened last weekend and what is happening right now to a future where God is leading us. So when you speak about knowing God, you know, in the past we've pretty much exclusively spoke about our weekend services and the importance that, that people who don't know Jesus have an opportunity to find Jesus, their Lord and Savior. And that's great. That's not going to change. Again, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about the, um, the story of the prodigal son and, and how there was a celebration to celebrate that the, the lost son had come home. And that's great. But there's more to it than that. The son also took up a ring, sandals, and a robe, which, which signifies, signifies some important things that, that God wants to give to us. As, we, as a celebration is happening for us, that we come home, we're also being sent back into the world representing the Father. And this church is all about the Father. It's all about, you know, creating a place where the Father feels at home, where the Father feels welcome, where God just feels welcome in a way uh, like we've never had this, really. This place is sacred space, where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. And the more tangible his presence is, the better we get to know him. And it's not just people that are like interested, that are seekers, that are looking for, for God. It's also for us who have been Christians for a long time. There's always more that we can experience of God in our lives. And our goal with these weekend services is that it's a place where where God feels welcome. When God feels welcome in this place, when his presence is here, like, like in a supernatural way, guess what's going to happen to people that come through our doors? They're going to be attracted to that. I had to think of this, this story of, of Naomi uh, in the book of Ruth, that she left the city of Bethlehem because there was a, there was a famine going on. No food anymore. You know what Bethlehem means? It's, it means house of bread. And, and so she's far off in, in Moab, in this other country, neighboring country. And, and, and her sons are there with, with her, and her sons die. And then she has these two um, daughters-in-law. She says to them, hey, I heard this rumor. I, I saw this Instagram post that there's bread again in the house of bread. There's food again in Bethlehem. I want to go back to my home country. I want to go back to the place where, where I know God is. And I want to say to you people that... There's bread again in the house of bread. There's bread again here. And you know, that's, people what, what, that's what people want. That's what people are looking for, even though they can't verbalize it. They're looking for the bread of God's presence. So it's, it's, it's great to have sound and lights and, and, and smoke machines and, and all these other things, but it's not what it's about in the end. It's about Jesus. It's about his presence in our midst. There's bread again in the house of bread. People come through our doors because they want to meet with God. 
You know, it's great if they see a few, few friendly people at the door. By the way, we could use some more people for our welcome team. I heard that Henrietta's here today by herself. You, you can help her afterwards. It's great to have nice and friendly people at the, at the door, but people are here because they want to meet with God. And if they're just getting us, we're in bad shape. He, he wants to show his presence. Show us his presence day in, day out. That's why part of those services, you know, uh, baptisms and communion and altar calls. You know, we, you've probably noticed this past year that we've, we've done altar calls again. You know, this is kind of, you know, no, basically, basically no churches do that anymore. But it's the ancient paths. It's an opportunity for people to show, show loyalty. You know, both, um, both, both baptisms and, and um, communion, but also those altar calls. They're a way for people to say, hey, now I want to be loyal to Jesus and Jesus alone. Nobody else. I want to show my allegiance. I want to demonstrate my allegiance. I want to take a step towards God because when I draw near to God, he will draw near to me. That's what James says. Deeper nights. Some of you have been at deeper nights. And deeper nights are another uh, amazing moment for us to experience the presence of God in our midst and to really know him in a more intimate way. Then finding freedom. You know, we've, we've talked about connect groups, and connect groups are awesome, especially, you know, the fact that we have, um, you know, the Freedom Course and Alpha Course and so many other groups, about 50 of them or so in our community. 50 groups all around the area. Even in places like Almere and Utrecht and uh, Amersfoort, and I believe there's, there's groups in Zeewolde and, and Ermelo, and, you know, basically the whole area is filled with connect groups. That's awesome because they form kind of like an extended family for us. We, we get to gather together with other believers and, and build each other up in our, in our most holy faith. But let me tell you this. When we don't have healthy homes, we're in a tight spot. We need to build on healthy homes. And that's why a couple of weeks from now we have this relationship seminar. And even if, you don't, if you're single or you're, you're divorced, we want to really encourage you to be a part of that. Because we believe healthy homes are the, are the key to ha- be having a healthy church and having a healthy you know, breakthroughs that God wants to give us here in the area. So again, family. Let the family gather again around the table. Let's not make life so busy that we don't have time for a Sabbath to really rest, focus on Jesus, and, and build life with each other as a family. And, and it actually, when we do this, when we, when we have Sabbath together. And again, my wife and I, we started doing this. We actually released the yoke from the 24-hour economy off of us. And we just say, hey, no, I'm not going to check that phone. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to run like crazy. I'm just going to focus on Jesus. I'm just going to make sure that he's invited in my home. What would it look like if, you know, we, we have about 600 people that go to this church and, and probably there's like 600 families or so that, that are part of this this church, you don't see them all on Sunday because some people, they're, they're choosing to be here only once a month and they think that's commitment. It's better to be here every, every week and to gather with God's family week in, week out. But what would it look like if, if all those families that are connected to Thousand Hills, that, that they would have Sabbath, that they would have communion at home, that the kin- kingdom influence that, that is here in this place will, will actually spread through our homes into the community. 
That's like five, six hundred families in the, in the Hilversum area and, and Almere and everywhere else. That's cool. That's what God wants to do. He wants to let his light shine, not just through a local church, but through you and through your family. And I can't be the priest in your home, but you can be the priest in your home. You have that authority. I don't. And he's going to do amazing things through you when, when you set your family apart in that way. The third part of that, of that purpose is discover your purpose, or the strategy is discover your purpose. You know what? Another moment of confession here. We made serving too much about what's going on within the four walls of this church. We made it too much about, also made it too much about you and your gifts and your talents and your passion. And we fed into that. I believe that as a family of God, that sometimes, you know, it's great if you can actually serve in that area where your passion is, but God actually is calling us to, to be radical and to follow Jesus in this respect as well and, and to say, hey, I don't really care what I have to do, but I'll do it anyway because this is my family. This is my spiritual family. I want to make sure that, 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 that kids, thousands of kids is going, running smoothly, that, um, that the welcome team is running smoothly. Every other aspect of ministry in this church is running smoothly because we want, to, want this to be a place where God feels welcome and as a result of that, where people feel welcome. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's, it's not about us. It's about him and him alone. Jesus came not to, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why do we make it so difficult and make it all about us? It's about him. It's about him. So how do you do it? You know, you serve, you give, you, you get on board, you pray. That's all part of being, discovering our purpose and, and, and really being a part of, of church. And then the fourth one is making a difference. Now, how do you make a difference? Again, those words from the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. That's how we make a difference. That not only his kingdom will manifest itself between the four walls of this building, but that through you and through your home, that kingdom influence will go into your neighborhoods, into your jobs, into your schools and wherever you live your life. We need to spread the gospel of the kingdom. You know, not anything else, but God is calling us to, to do that. And that's why I'm so happy, you know, for the relationships that we have around the world, but also locally. I mean, um, worldwide, we're, we're connected with Celebration Church family and have churches in Zimbabwe, Paris, France, and here and over in America. Uh, but we also are part of ARC. You know, we help plant churches in, 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 in the Netherlands, in Belgium. We're also part of the, the VPA, the, the Assembly of God in the Netherlands, and we help build churches here in, in this nation. We love those kingdom friendships and relationships. They're necessary to actually see God's kingdom come in this world. We, we look for unity. We strive for unity in every, in every way that we can because that's how we can see the kingdom come. And, and locally, you know, we do things like the food kitchen. And we, by the way, we just opened our second location, right? I think I see Joe back there. Joe, just wave. It's awesome. Food kitchen on two locations every month. Let's put our hands together for that. 
So we, we help people. We give them a healthy meal. Those who are, um, you know, lonely, those who maybe don't have enough money, we help them with a healthy meal. And we also have our, our, our clothing bag. It's awesome. As I wrap up, I just want to go back to that one verse. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I believe this is important one to still think about before we close. What does it mean to seek first? What does it mean to seek Jesus first? What does it mean to seek the Lord first? I think there's a couple of, couple of ways how, how God wants to do it in our lives. I believe one is through devotions, through setting time aside every day to go into the Word of God and to study His Word and to let Him speak to us and to pray and just kind of get that download from heaven every day. Because when, when you have a heavenly perspective, the day is going to look different. Even though some stuff might happen that you don't like, your life is going to look way different if, if you have devotions first, if you have a heavenly perspective first. The Sabbath is another way to seek God first in our family. I want to encourage you to start praying about that and what it might look like for you and your family. We're going to probably give you some tools later on uh, in the year. It's great to just create that space for God to move in our, in our homes. And of course, church, prioritizing church. Just coming, you know, on a weekly basis. Not as a rule, not as a law, but as a way to actually build that connection with the Lord, but also build a connection with one another. You know, it's, it's so important that, that we gather weekly, that we create that rhythm, not, for, not only for ourselves, but for our children as well, that they know that they're safe, that they know that they're part of something that's bigger than they are, that we know that we're part of something that's bigger than we are. Serving is another way to become part and see God first, seek serving Him here in the context of church, but also serving Him in the community around us. That we take our cues from Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Let's give our lives away. That doesn't mean that we, we let people cross over our boundaries, but it does mean a totally different mindset in our lives. That we're here to serve. and We're here to serve one another. We're here to serve a world that's dying. It's in darkness. We can bring his light into that darkness and generosity. God is calling us to, to go all in financially as well through our giving in the church context for our tithes and offerings, but also to one another. That we don't see our possessions as our possessions anymore, but that we see it as, as gifts that God has given to us so that we can make a difference in the lives of other people, so that we can see his kingdom come in the world around us through our generosity. As I wrap up, I just want to share one more, one more verse with you, which became very, extremely main, meaningful to me about three weeks ago. Um, I told you before that uh, this past year has been a difficult year. You know, we've basically struggled. And as a, as a couple, as a, as a family, and leading this church, how is this possible with all you beautiful people, right? But we're struggling. And as we were struggling, God started to do something in me. He started to really bring me back to his word, to, to a place of intimacy as well. He started to put some people in my life that 
would help us walk through this difficult season, this dark season. And I went to um, the States about two, three weeks ago for the Awakening Revival, which is basically our conference, but then on a bigger scale than ours is. And, and as, as I was there, before the conference started, on a Friday morning, it's like the Lord speaking to me as clear as, as I've ever heard his voice. And he reminded me of this, this parable that Jesus told where there's this man who wanted to buy this piece of land. And Jesus said, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like this man who wants to buy this piece of land. He goes to the land and he finds a treasure. He covers it back up, sells everything that he has and buys the land. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, hey, whatever pain you've suffered this past year, whatever the cost is still going to be for, for this new season, this new time that I'm leading you in, that I'm leading your church in, it's all going to be worth it. Because you found the treasure, you found the kingdom of heaven. And hey, you're all part of this journey. This is your home, you're part of this journey. I'm about to discover some more amazing things. And I know you're going to discover some amazing things. We, we get to be God's people. We get to be the people of God. Filled with His Spirit, led by His Spirit. And we're going to let Jesus shine in our communities. We're going to make that difference. Beyond everything we've ever experienced before, we found the treasure. We found the kingdom of heaven. All He's asking from you and me is total surrender. Be willing to give it away. Everything. Your life. Your treasure. The things that you still think are important, but that are not as important than Jesus and His kingdom. My call to you today, before we baptize some amazing people this morning, is where do you stand? Where do you stand? Again, I said before that there's no 50 shades of gray. It's either hot or cold, it's black or white. We follow Jesus or we don't follow him. You choose. We cannot live our lives being loyal to him, declaring allegiance to him and him alone or we're loyal to other things, everything else. There's no middle ground anymore. And we said that's what God is doing in our church and in your life and in my life this year, that we would go all out. That would be radical in following Jesus and experiencing his love and sharing his love with the people around us. He's on the move in our lives. Let's declare loyalty as these people who get baptized will declare loyalty to Jesus and Jesus alone. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Lord, we come to you right now. And all we want to say right now is that we declare loyalty to you and you alone. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done on the cross for us. We thank you, Lord, that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And God, we thank you that your presence is here, that this is holy ground, that this is sacred space where you choose to dwell, where you, where you enjoy to be, Father, among us. 
And Lord, right now, as we, as we lift up our lives to you, God, we just pray, Lord, that there's no area in our lives anymore that is just gray. That there's no area in our lives anymore that is lukewarm. But that we will be, be hot for you. That we will be on fire for you, Lord Jesus. God, it's a revival that you started, Lord, that we would live holy and humble and hungry, Father, before you. God, that we would steward this amazing revival that you brought among us here to Hilversum, to, to, to house and to all of our homes, God, that you would let us steward this, God, and, and be on fire for you for the rest of this year and help others be, fall, uh, set, be set on fire as well before you. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for what you're doing in the lives of those who get baptized this morning. We give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand.